Welcome to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with photographer Jay Lennard. Jay has worked with clients such as the New York Times, Billboard, The Hollywood Reporter, Warby Parker, and Sony, to name a few. In this interview, I speak to Jay about his recent cover shoot for The Hollywood Reporter, where he had to photograph George Clooney and several other subjects completely remotely due to the COVID-19 safety precautions. I also speak to Jay about his approach to lighting, as well as a shoot he did for the Clive Davis Grammys party, where he photographed legendary artists such as Carlos Santana, Janet Jackson, Beck, and Wyclef John, to name a few. I had a great time talking to Jay about his journey with photography and how he approaches portraiture, so I hope you enjoy, and thanks so much for listening. Jay Lennard, welcome to the podcast, man. Excited to talk to you. Just looked at your Instagram, man. Like it, you, you're starting off the new year hot, man. You're coming in hot. You got, you got the cover of Howard <laughs> Reporter, uh, uh, Spike Lee, George Clooney. Uh, how's it going, man? Um, it's good, man. Um, yeah, it's been crazy and up and down and all over the place and the world is crashing. But you know what? Um, I'm still taking photos. <laughs> so yeah, man. I'm soaked. I, yeah, I was looking at it. It seemed like an interesting shoot. Um, some of it, it looked like you shot, you said you shot virtually uh, through Zoom yes. or however. How, how have you been approaching those shoots? I personally haven't done any of these virtual shoots, but what are oh what are some things you've learned? What are some tips you can give to some people if they want to dabble in this virtual shoot world? Oh man, I actually have a few good tips. Um, and I and I honestly still feel like I'm looking at other people like doing it totally different from me. Yeah. Um, and I've done it like four or five different ways now. Like I've done it where talents in another country, and I have a full crew there, and I'm just directing through like uh, video cameras and Zoom. Yeah. Um, full stills that way. Um, I've done it where someone's in another town and they got their assistant holding an iPhone. Mm -hmm. um, and I've also done it recently, this shoot that you're seeing um, at The Hollywood Reporter. The majority of it is actually video. So the new iPhone shoots 4K. Okay. So you actually get higher res images by shooting 4K and extracting stills than shooting a regular image in an iPhone. Okay. Wow. Isn't that weird? Wait, so, so it, it, it processes it. Yeah, so this <laughs> is the thing I was interested about. So, like, all right, so like George Clooney and I think uh, who else, Paul Greengrass and some other people yeah. you shot virtually. So, basically, are you essentially this like FaceTiming with them, or is there like another person filming on a different phone at their location? So I'm looking this. The way we set it up this time is I'm looking at Zoom and I'm talking to them. Yeah. But in the Zoom screen, I can see the room. I can see the camera because it's yeah. right behind, and um, they're in front, right? right? So I'm basically in the same view, but um, I'm looking at the iPhone camera, and we're shooting video on it. We're not doing stills. All right, so there's like an assistant or someone that is with him that is setting up the yes. iPhone and then you're directing. All right, that's interesting. Yeah, and we were sending each person like a little mini setup as well, which was like, so man, it was a, it was a lot of production. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Trying to like, get actors to set up lights is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and how is it like, as, as, you, as you know, as a portrait photographer, like, a big part of the job is like trying to like make a connection with your subject and trying to like accomplish something. And when you're not in person, I'm imagining there's a different set of challenges. Like how have you kind of been navigating that, like directing someone through a screen or how's it been working for you? Um, all right. So here's my, my, my horse, my pony, my, uh, what, what do you call it? My, my, uh, big pony, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> um, I, uh, I, I really use music. I rely on it. It's my crutch, mm -hmm. right? So what I'm doing is I'm making playlists for um, all the subjects. Yeah. And we're not talking full, full music. Like I, I play 30 to 45 seconds of a song, mm -hmm. but the song is supposed to emote something yeah. for them to vibe out to. Um, and that's how I've been interacting with them. Um, I found it way just more enjoyable because it's so hard to do the yeah left right up down um and they're looking at the screen and looking at another screen i just needed them to chill and i need them to feel good yeah so it's better if i play music 
and they kind of vibe for a second and they can hear me shout, yeah, look down or look away. And that's about it. That, that's the most direction I sort of give them, you know? Yeah. Um, but they vibe out to the music that I'm kind of giving them. And that's been really fun for me. I'm a huge music lover. Music is important on all my shoots. So I make it like kind of key on these Zoom shoots. Yeah. No, it's interesting. Have you kind of been enjoying the process? Because I would imagine it's kind of like, obviously, hopefully people don't have to do this much longer with the Zoom shoots and stuff and get back to being a person. But like, because I, I mean, I shoot editorial too. And I think that's kind of the fun of it is like every shoot, as you know, is like this unique challenges, like the location, locations can change last minute, whatever it is. Have you kind of been enjoying the challenge of like having to like do these Zoom shoots, I guess? Yeah, um, especially, I mean, obviously this last one was super fun. The talent's awesome, right? So like, you know, I'm, I'm getting on, a, like, normally I don't really like Zooms, but like I'm getting on a Zooms with like really cool people. And, uh, you know, um, yeah, sitting on a Zoom with George Clooney is not bad, you know? Yeah. Um, hey, George, how do we get in that tequila money, George? How do we get that tequila money? Yeah, and we did talk about the tequila money <laughs> because how can you not bring it up? Yeah. Um, he's just a cool dude. Um, and... Yeah, it's really about vibing out. Um, like you really got to connect. It's and that, that's always the most important thing. So it's the music, and then hopefully they they like the music a little bit, and then they'll open up a little bit, and then we can talk a little bit more. It's been it's been fun, no, but difficult. Cool. <laughs> and also, I mean, I saw you did get to shoot Spike Lee in person, and being yeah. that being that it was part of like a uh, like a portfolio of like other people. Did you have to take into consideration like how you lit the people virtually versus like lighting him in person? Because it's like two different things. And like, how do you kind of approach that aspect of it, I guess? I'm going to be really honest. Um, that was really frustrating to, to know that I was shooting all these people virtually and then going to get Spike in person. Um, so like I sort of went the mindset with like, I just needed to, I needed to look similar. So I'm going to uh sort of light it shit shittily <laughs> but not like not bad you know but like I, i'm someone who loves lights i love yeah. scoping i love doing a lot you know yeah so for him i was i just went in and i was just like i put it up i shaped it once and i was like that's it that's the light you know yeah made it simple um which ultimately, especially for that one, like I did not have a lot of time with him. Um, I walked in and he was like, let's do this. Like before I even set my bags down, <laughs> you know? So, I, and I'm used to like getting an hour or so usually with my assistants, so, you know, pre-light and all that stuff. So um, yeah, entertaining, talking while setting up. Yeah. I mean, it's nerve wracking, especially with talent like that. And you're just alone <laughs> and yeah. you're just watching you and waiting. So yeah, not a lot of time. I was like 15, 20 minutes. And you went um, just yourself, no assistant, no nothing, right? Yeah, yeah. Also COVID and it's all last minute. They want to be safe and keep it simple. So yeah, I'm just on my own doing my thing. Yeah. Back to the back to my roots. Yeah, man. <laughs> no, it came out great. I thought it looked great. And yeah, it was amazing that you accomplished that like through everything. Um, I guess like to go back, man, I was just kind of curious, like where did you grow up and like how did you kind of get into photography initially? Oh yeah, um, that's cool. It's a great question because I don't usually get to answer that a lot. Um, I'm from San Jose, California. I'm from the Bay Area, and uh, yeah, but Southern roots. Uh, both my family moved from like Louisiana and Texas, so okay. Got um, nice. But yeah, grew up, grew up, I'm a Cali boy, and I started shooting in high school. Honestly, randomly, just because a, a, a random friend handed me a camera one day, um, asked me to take some pictures of them. I didn't give them back for a few days, and then I got my own, and I sort of never stopped. Um, I went to college like a year or so later thinking, okay, I'm going to do these other things. I was like studying music um, okay. and I was dancing and um, doing business. I was doing a lot of that other stuff, but through it all, I was taking pictures. Um, and in my, into my second year in college, I was like, you know what? I think I need to shift everything. So I did. Um, I was like, I, I sort of dropped everything. I went from a school in Atlanta, Georgia, Morehouse college, and went abroad to London, where all the magazines I was like, just obsessing over were being printed. And um, I did a um, photography class there and I studied abroad. Wow, which, and which magazines that, were, were you looking at? The ones in London that you were like, amazing? Oh, man. Um, I like, at the time, I was super obsessed with another magazine. And that had just sort of like come out a few years prior. Yeah. Um, now it's just absolutely obsessed. It was like, you know, it was always 200 pages. And and just like had fold outs and they would give you posters inside. I was just absolutely obsessed. Um, culture, ID, uh, 
Trace at the time. Well, that's not London, but I was just thinking, yeah, Trace. Yeah, um, yeah there was a handful. I can't remember them all because I feel like a lot of them are dead now. You know. Yeah, that's that, that's that's most of the magazine. After this shit, I don't know what magazine is <laughs> going to be left. Honestly, man, it's brutal. Uh, but uh, w- when you're in London, like, what kind of stuff were you taking pictures of at that point? Like, because looking at your work now, a lot of it's portrait based. Like, was that something you were always kind of interested in from the get go, or what were you kind of shooting? Um, that was like I was a totally different person in Beast then. Um, I was literally just getting started, mm-hmm. so I was like learning the craft. And um, I always kind of was a big idea story guy. So I was making fine artwork. Um, I was using um, my environments and the people around me to tell these like sort of um, sort of dark and like provocative, um, sometimes erotic stories, never sex involved or anything like no nudity. But like I would tell these like stories with propping things and people. Um, and I did that work for a few years. I, um, I wasn't in London long. Um, I just did a course there. It was about less than a year. And then I was like, okay, I'm good. I'm, I'm going to go to SVA, School of Visual Arts. So okay. I moved to New York. And that's really where my crew, like, it started. Like me saying, I'm going to be a photographer. Yeah, SVA, and that was in 2005. Yeah, SVA seemed like an amazing school because I know like some, uh, some of the professors are like badass photographers. Like, I don't know. If uh, Sarah A. Friedman was a professor there at one point, she was a yes. sick photographer, Clay McBride, a bunch of other people. Yes. It did seem, I never been there, but just reading about it, it seemed like a pretty amazing environment. It's amazing. Uh, you know, Guy Rock, fashion photographer? He, Sounds familiar. He was one of my, wow. Um, he's, he's a big dog, and he was one of my teachers. And I'm going to be honest, he showed up half the time, but he was there, and I made a relationship with him so that after I graduated, I started assisting for him. Mm-hmm. um like there was a lot of great people there and like going to sva uh were there kind of like any like early influences into your work like photographers that like early on that kind of influenced you you think yeah of course um sva is definitely such a fine art school too um so you know like everybody else i was obsessed with gregory crudson at the time yep. um and i was making these like really lit scenes um and that, I mean, that was the majority of my work. I was really just making a lot of fine art work. Um, I was like lighting the hell out of it, doing different colors and just experimenting and trying to kind of tell these stories. Um, yeah, so Gregory Crudson was a big one. Um, I, and I'm trying to think of who else at that time. Um, oh yeah, uh, David LaChapelle. Was, oh yeah. Uh, I, and like at that, that time in my second year of SVA, he was still having shows in the Chelsea, like it, it was awesome, you know. He was very prolific and Rankin. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like these guys were really, really influential to me. Um, and then of course, like I was also, um, I started my one of my first jobs in the industry was kind of working at um, Industria um, back when it was like really hot and like people were always hanging out there. And, and for people listening, at Industria that's a photo studio in New York City, right? Yes, it is. And it's still around, but not like it used to be. Um, it, they used to have a really large, you know, space in the West Village, but now it's kind of dwindled down and they've moved to Brooklyn. But, you know, Annie Lee was used to have the, her space around the corner wow. and she would shoot there every other week. And I was one of the people who handled the sets there. Um, and it was just like a great experience in education. Yeah, it's, it's like I, talk, I got some other friends in New York and they all kind of some friends that started at Root and just like, you know, just doing gear rentals and setting up the yeah. studio in the morning. But like, it seems like an amazing experience because my friend Mike, he met so many people and then went on to assisting and like broke off from that. And it's because it's really like this hub of the city where all these amazing, like you said, shit, Annie Leibovitz is there. So like, what do you kind of take away from that experience kind of working there, I guess? It's totally true. Um everyone's within you know arm's reach it's you know we're all just melding together so you make contacts and you you touch base and um you hopefully connect with people and they push you forward yeah definitely so when you're like at sva like you said like gregory crutzen was like an influence of yours and stuff like that were you even thinking about like editorial photography or you you had like fine art like gallery stuff in mind or what did you kind of think you were going to do like once you get out of school (laughs) I was dabbling. So like I wanted to be a fine art. I mean, I wanted to make fine art and shoot ads. Yeah. Um, I had an ad background. So like t- 
talk about fingers and pies, like moving to New York at the same time is like trying to figure out photography. I have an older sister who was in, in the ad world. So I was already helping her as a creative assistant remotely with clients. So I was yeah. starting to understand how that works and um, being a creative assistant, like I would, when the book was hot, be a satellite art director for this agency and go to the book and check out new photographers for them oh, wow. and pitch them new photographers at night at like 19 when I first got there, it was like a really cool opportunity. Um, and it's just like training my eye to look at new work, look at new people. Um, and I did that for a few years. Um, so back to your question, like I was making fine art, but I was definitely simultaneously thinking about ad and commercial work. And I thought that they could meld. Um, it, you know, my career has totally changed since then. Um, but that's kind of where I started. And for a few years, I was like showing work in galleries and um, just, you know, doing group shows. And I had one or two solo shows and nice. it was really fun. Um, but after a while, I was also just like, I mean, God, recession after recession, I was like, okay, <laughs> I, need to, I need to change this up. I need to really put focus into the editorial game. And like yeah, it's hard out. to like balance both of them. Like I have friends who dabble in the fine art world. Like they have like gallery representation and then they do commercial and editorial. And like, man, I only have so much time in the day to like try to just find editorial clients and stuff like that. I don't know. It's it's tough to like balance both worlds, you know? It totally is, man. It's crazy. Um, it's really hard. It, it's more of a juggling act. I don't feel like the balls are in one hand and you're circling them. It's more like you throw them up and keep throwing, you know, you keep touching one, you know? Um, and even that's hard to manage. <laughs> yeah, definitely, man. This, this, this business is a roller coaster, man. It's like a lot of ups and downs, a lot of peaks and valleys, man. It's like, uh, that's one thing I was going to ask you. Like, I think a lot of people can relate to, especially this year is it's not as many assignments for certain magazines and it's harder to find work. Like how do you kind of manage those like ups and downs, like lulls where maybe you have like a week or two where you don't have an assignment. What kind of, what keeps you on the track, man, and keep your mind uh, sane, you know? Um, you know, what keeps me sane is other art. And if I can't create something in that moment, then I'm going to look for inspiration somewhere else. I find a lot of inspiration in film. So I'm constantly watching films. Um, and yeah, I kind of go back and forth that way. And in other places too, yeah. reading and like art books, but I'm, I'm really heavy into film. And like, I, I just, that's where I kind of like find like ease. Anything, like anything, anything good lately you, you've seen? Um, oh my God. I'm one of those people who watches so much that it like kind of melts together. <laughs> I saw, you know, maybe you've watched, I just watched it this week and it was incredible. And, and I, I recommend it to anybody sound of metal. Uh, oh my God. That's on my list. I want to see that. Yes. Oh, it's, it's incredible. Uh, it, yes. One of the best movies I saw this year, not that like a ton of movies came out, but it, it was, it was amazing. Oh man. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, and, um, Oh, what's the, the main actor? Um, yeah, yeah, blank on his yeah. name. He's an incredible. Uh, he was in yeah, was the night of the night of, which was an incredible. Yes, series. I know. Also amazing. Uh, yes. What is that kid? Anyways, <laughs> it's right. no worries. Um, so I guess like when you got out of SVA, like did you already know you wanted to shoot full time, or like what did you kind of do once you got out of SVA? So yeah, um, I got out of SVA, um, and I got I also got really lucky, like. I, I, I got a show out of SGA and like, I traveled a little bit. Um, but then the art thing wasn't like happening right away. And that takes a lot of time, obviously building relationships with the gallery. So um, I got connected with someone at complex media. Oh yeah. And in the ad department, just the marketing department. So it's completely separate from editorial. Right. So like the, I'm, I'm talking to designers and, they're like, we like your artwork. It's like weird and quirky. Um, and we have a lot of ad stuff to do. So I started working with them for like the next five years. And it wasn't in-house. They you know I was freelance. Yeah. But I shot a lot of um, their client work in Complex for like, you know, Dr. Pepper, Modelo, and like um, G-Shock. I shot so much G-Shock. Um, and these are like, these are advertorials. You know, they're featuring someone cool and hip in the culture with the product. And I'm yeah. shooting them. Um, and that was like, that was a huge learning experience. I didn't get paid a lot. Um, they wanted a lot from it. You know, their ads, they're, you know, and like, you're trying to make someone look good. You're trying to make 
what they do look good. And then you're trying to make this product that is the client look good too. It's a lot and you don't get a lot of time. Um, That was a huge learning experience, but it was cool. I had a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, you got um, good stuff for your book because I was looking at your website last night and some of the G-Shock ads are up there and they're like, it, it was good stuff. So it's like, even though maybe you didn't get paid a ton, it was like a good thing yeah. for the portfolio, man. It gives it like a validation. Or I know, and that's what you do, especially in the beginning. Like, you know, you, uh, you, you, you definitely make sacrifices in the beginning. You know, you say yes to work for free sometimes or for low pay because, you know, it's going to it's gonna up the game. It's going to up the look. Um, I definitely did a lot of that. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, that was a good relationship to build. And that's kind of how I got started um, making that work um, and not getting editor editorial work for years and years. I really just kind of jumped into like low budge ad work and just started working with like um, smaller agencies and just producing stuff and getting it done. But it was cool. Yeah, man. It's like take whatever comes your way. That's like the interesting thing. Like I've talked to so many photographers and like everyone's journey is so different. And like, you can try to do what someone else does, but it's impossible. It's just like, that's why I've been lately is trying to be like, you know, do your work and like what comes your way. And if the opportunities come your way, like do as much as you can and make good work, you know? Yes, it's so true. Especially the part of like, you just can't be anyone else. Um, Which is one of the reasons why I'm so like open about how I do things. Cause even if you know, you're not going to be able to do it like me, you know, that's the truth. Yeah, no, that's all that is. Yeah, it's 100% true. Like, you did this amazing shoot. I love it. It's on the front page of your website with Chris Rock. The location looked badass. But, like you said, like, however you lit it and how you interacted with Chris that day is going to be completely different than like any other photographer if they show up on that day. Yeah. 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 Those moments can't be duplicated, you know? So, uh, you know, it's just just good to share and like talk about this stuff, which is why I love your podcast so much. (laughs) Thanks, man. Um, so one thing like I'm always curious about, cause like something I think about a ton is this like finding your voice as a photographer. Like, is it something you think about just the aesthetic of like how you light and all these things? Like, did it take you a while to kind of navigate who you were like and your approach as a photographer, you think? Yeah. And I still feel like I'm finding it. Um, and that's just like part of the process. I think part of it is realizing that you're always going to continue to change yeah. um, and think about things differently um the voice thing really started to just come into play i feel like in the last two years for me um and that was a really long evolution of trying to figure out what do i what am i actually passionate about like what Mm -hmm. continues to drive me and i'm like i'm it's just taken a really long time um but like years ago when i was kind of coming out of that art phase um, I was like, what am I going to shoot for editorial? And I was like, I like real people. I'm not really like looking to do fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like telling stories. Um, and, you know, I'm a black guy who lived in Northern California in all white communities. So like, you know, race is an issue for me. Um, I think about marginalized people. I think about just the culture in general. And um, I started making work honestly about women's rights. Um, that's kind of what hit me. Um, I haven't, I, I, despite being very close to my father, I have an older sister and a mother who have influenced me greatly. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that just was something I've always been passionate about in a specific way. So I started making that work. I started making projects around, um, harassment around women's rights. Um, that led me to some projects that I have on my site where, there, I, I was doing work for a few years in a row where um, it's called CSW, the Conference on the Status of Women. Women from around the world flying every year to talk about women's rights in full scale, yeah. um, health, reproductive rights, um, what, ha- what, like whatever you can think of. And um, I've been working with these young um, advocacies where I take their portraits and we get to tell their stories. Um, I'm really passionate about that. Um, I get to have moments with these young, amazing women who are doing something with their life and their time and for the world. And that means the world to me and helping them tell their story means the world to me. Yeah. So this stuff right here, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So like, that's kind of where my voice started. Um, and this project, um, which I had been doing for a few years was like probably the fifth or sixth women's project that I had done. Um, and so in then doing that, you know, it's kind of led me to, I feel like a lot of the work that I'm doing now, 
Um, yeah, I'm in entertainment, but a lot of the stories that they're asking me to tell of those entertainment stories are of diversity. Mm -hmm. Um, and I love on those stories. Um, it just, it's, it's what I'm really passionate about. Yeah, no, it's amazing. So like the project we were just talking about the, the CSW, was that something that you approached them to photograph or would they reached out to you or like, how did that kind of whole start working with them kind of come about for you? Yeah. So, um, what happened was, uh, I saw, um, well, they're married now, but at the time they were only dating uh, through a, a good close friend of mine, his girlfriend was flying in, um, from Geneva mm-hmm. and she was flying in for the second time in the year and she wanted to get coffee. And I was like, what are you here for? She's like, I'm here for this conference. Uh, that sounds amazing. Um, all these women from around the world sound amazing. Uh, let me know if you need any pictures. Um, I'd love to like, you know, take some portraits. And then that kind of just started a conversation. So then the next year, when it was like kind of prepping, she was like, let's see if we can figure something out. So we talked to a few coalitions and basically what we've ultimately done over the last few years is um, I get this room in this hotel nearby that they work out of. And um, I get a day where they it's just round robin. <laughs> I, I take as many portraits as possible. It's usually around 40 to 50. Wow. And um, they come through and um, I just meet all these women. Um, so yeah, it's a bit of a collaboration, kind of just kind of seeing an opportunity and being like, I can offer you a service. I can help promote you and what all these groups are doing for free. And add it for me, I get all these beautiful stories. Yeah, no, it was incredible work. And it's like, uh, yeah, it's just like, it's like it's something I think about a lot. Like all you have to do is like reach out to people and like ask them like, Hey, can I photograph or do this project? And it's like, the worst they're going to say is no. Like I've had so many instances like where I just reach out to someone and you end up getting some really great pictures and meet some interesting people. So it's just like uh, this knock on a lot of doors. That's why I just try to remind myself, you know? Absolutely. Very few people don't want their picture taken. Everyone wants to look good. They want that new IG IG pick, man. (laughs) You know, absolutely. and what, 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 one shoot I was really interested in talking to you about, you shot the, uh, was the Clive Davis 2020 Grammy oh. uh, picture. I'll pull it up. It, this shoot looks epic. Yeah, epic, man. Like, who did you shoot this for? Got, and what, what was I kind of the single thing about that I did that? <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was for Billboard. That was at the beginning of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually got the call for this literally probably like this week last year. Wow. Um, yeah, so um, I had been building this relationship with THR Billboard for years, yeah. um, which is why I finally found myself being in the position that I'm at. And um, this was a big moment for me. Um, and they had been prepping me to do like large groups. Yeah. So this was like a great opportunity. Um, and the cast was looking great. So they, they hit me up. I obviously said yes. I flew in. Um, Teresa Rivera is my set designer. I love her. She used to do a lot of indie stuff. Um, and like, yeah, this is a funny scenario. It's also like, oh man, pre-COVID, all these people in a room. <laughs> With no mask. Like, oh, it was so amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, go ahead. Ask your question. Yeah. So like what goes into producing a shoot like this? Like you said, you have a <clears> set designer and they help you kind of put this look together. Like what's... Is it your idea with this background or is it like a collaboration or like, how do you put something like this together? Cause like a yeah. big group shot like this, there's a lot of moving parts. It's a lot of lighting. It's a lot of logistics, like break it down for us. Like how this kind of comes to be. All right. So um, first it's talking about who's going to be there. We start to talk about, okay, what's the actual location? Can we build a set there? Um, that's all kind of set. Cause they do it at the same spot every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, who's going to show up this, this class photo is sort of like, it's a party. So, you know, like any party, anyone can kind of show up or not, but most people do tell you beforehand. Yes, I will be going because, you know, press PR, all that stuff. Right. So it's kind of getting an idea of who's going to be there. And then as you start to get those names and those spaces, you start to build them. Okay. Let's talk color scheme. So then it's okay. What kind of colors do we want to represent? What's going to like really benefit, you know, this range and tones of people? Yeah. You start to talk color schemes of not only the backgrounds, but what are they going to wear? You give like three primary colors and you say, okay, these are accents people. So you can tell all the talent, hey, 
we can do teals, greens, blues, right? So then after that, we decide what the set's going to be. And there you have it. And then kind of build out from there. And how do you approach it? Because like you said, it's like a party. So you don't know who's going to show up. Like, so yeah. it wasn't like you weren't, you didn't know Clive was going to sit here and Chance the Rapper was going to stand here. Like, how do you, because managing a group, managing oh, okay. one person yeah. in a photo shoot is tough enough, but like managing all these different people. And I'm sure there's a lot of people behind the camera talking and doing their own thing. Like, it's how a do, <laughs> yeah, yeah. How do you get everyone's intention and accomplish what you need to do with like so much going on? This is a huge day. You are, we're in there at, um, we're in there at like 9 a.m. and we shoot at like five. Mm -hmm. And the shoot is literally 30 minutes. And it's like not just the group shot, but all the individual shots. <laughs> okay. So, like, it's prepped, prepped. By yep. three o'clock, I've lit the space, right? Just to like sort of light out the whole scenario. But then we're starting to like fit people. By three o'clock, we're 85, 90% sure who's going to be sitting. Okay. But not a hundred percent. So then that those names start to solidify each hour, each hour as we get closer. <laughs> and then we start placing them and I have a bunch of assistants and we basically go down the line left to right and start placing people on how we think they're going to fit in the frame. I do tons of tests. We start comping before they get there. Yeah. And then we have an idea of placement. Yeah, it's a lot because like different heights, the amount of people. And then also it's like, that's when the Digitech on a group shot. It's like, did anybody <laughs> blink? Where's this person looking? Where's that person looking? Do we got one where everyone's looking at the camera? It's like, yeah. it's Oh my it, God, yeah. And just me yelling. Everyone yeah. look at me, please. Just for the love of God, look at me. <laughs> uh, no, anytime anybody can accomplish something like this, man, hats off, dude. This is like uh, incredible. And, and I guess with, so you shot the group shot first, I would imagine. And then you kind of, did... no, actually, um, okay. they, and it makes, it's a, it's kind of, you know, place you go, but they started rolling in. So mm -hmm. then you're just like, okay, you're here. Let me Let's just do it or into a single, you know? Yeah. So then as they start rolling in, you know, Santana and Janet Jackson and Clive, and you just, I literally get like 10, 15 frames, you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> it's yeah, not yeah. a full shoot. Yep. But they're amazing and they look amazing. So they can't do wrong. So that's all you need. You need 10, 15 frames. Yeah. Uh, and then they walk off and then they go chat and they're in the room and they're doing, you know, it's a party. Like they're trying to have fun. They're there to drink and hang out and be with their homies. Yeah. Um, but by the time it takes about 10, 15 minutes for all those people to roll through. And then by the time everyone's there, we start to pull them over to the main set. Mm. And with a shoot like this, like where it's moving so fast and you're trying to accomplish so much, are you have it like planned out in advance? Like, all right, I'm I chance rapper might be here. Uh, you know, Clive Davis is going to be here. Do you have like poses in mind that you, you know, you want to try to execute or is it really just kind of organic on the fly? And it's like a collaboration with the subject or like, how do you just approach it? Cause it's like, like you said, it's like so fast, but you need to get good stuff at the same time. Yeah. So, you know, you can't give too much direction. There's too many people in names. So you have to just, kind of um give the room a mood mm -hmm. and hope that you get enough of the mood to like pick a pick it apart and make the right image yeah because um, there is comping you know like it, it's just you've never there's it's just nearly impossible to get that kind of group photo and everyone's perfect it's just nearly impossible yeah so like what we're really doing is i'm like going from a range of all right everyone looking at camera chin down just serious stoic you know to making them laugh, you know, yeah. and I'm not very funny, but somehow, sometimes I can like, you know, sometimes I <laughs> yeah, can get man. something off <laughs> and you know, getting a smile, like it's just important being stupid um, and just getting that whole room to react yeah. so that you can get something. And is there like anything you, you learned from like getting to shoot that? Like, I don't know if you shot a lot of group shots like that prior to that, but anything you kind of took away from that like opportunity and assignment, I guess. Um, honestly, by that point, it was just like, it was so locked in. <laughs> I did a lot at that point, <laughs> but I will, I will say, um, the group, the, the group shot scenario, um, I honestly, I rely on my lighting 
a yeah. lot. Um, and that's me. Um, I know at the end of the day, I, I can light really well. And so if I place the subject, even if they gave me stink face, mm-hmm. it's going to look cool. Like yeah. that's my goal, you know? <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, no, I just, rely on that. And then, like I said, just kind of trying to get a mood and making sure that they're focused on me because you easily forget how hard it is to do that when there's that many people and that much energy in the room, how hard it is to get all those people to look into the camera. Yeah. And do you, do you walk away from every shoot like completely satisfied? Are there like times where you kind of second guess decisions or do you feel like now that you've been doing this longer, the longer you do it, you just kind of build more confidence and just kind of, it's like an experience thing. Are there ever times where you're like, damn, I should have done that. Or uh, how do you, man, uh, I never walk away satisfied. I like, that's good. You're hungry, man. (laughs) Oh man. I never, that's never happened. Um, I felt sort of good about a few, Mm. but yeah, (laughs) there's always something. And that's just part of, you know, the learning experience. And that's just part of, I think that's just part of the experience of being with someone and having a moment, Mm. you know, it always go different. You can always think it'll go differently. Um, I think though, also at the same time, despite never being satisfied, I definitely have gotten to a point just recently where I do feel confident going on set. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm at a point where I've done this long enough where I'm like, I know I'm going to get something good. Like at the very least, that's why I get hired and like, I'm consistent. I feel good. Like I know I've been in enough scenarios. I assisted for like eight, nine years. I've just seen a lot. So like, yeah, I feel pretty confident at this point. Yeah, it's a real skill, like being able to, because like you're shooting so many different types of people, and you got to be able to communicate like your ideas and facilitate stuff, and like push for things you you need to get done. Like, have you always just been comfortable like talking to people and just directing people, or is it like I said, this something you you feel like you just get stronger at and stronger at the longer you do it, just kind of dealing with different personalities and things like that. Yeah, well, I, that's me. Like on a personal level, I love people. I love talking to them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's always been a strong suit for me. Uh, and yeah, I think that's part of the reason I get hired too. Um, being able to connect quickly um, and emote something good uh, is, it, it's not always easy, um, mm-hmm. but it comes, you know, it's, it, it comes fairly quick to me. So yeah, yeah uh, I haven't had to work on it too much, but I will say, uh, over time, and especially as like the caliber of talent gets much higher, um, you do make adjustments. Um, and you also learn to not direct as the caliber gets higher. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I really came from a background of shooting a lot of like, quote unquote, just real people, a lot of executives, a lot of people who don't aren't in front of the camera a lot. Yeah. So it takes a lot of direction. And that really prepared me oddly to not have to direct so much <laughs> um, some people don't want to be directed so much um, yeah. especially the talent i'm with now uh, and some of them are some of them really do but but feeling it out and knowing the difference is really important yeah i love that as a photographer when someone like you have a subject that is like comfortable in front of the camera and is really like bringing something to it it's like all right let's go it's it's like you're you're like doing the job for me this is great and you know that you know that feeling like you know you're gonna get good stuff from the jump it's just you know what i mean absolutely absolutely man i mean that is just such a good feeling you know um and and i still i still feel like uh it's not all the time you know it's just really not yeah. yeah, it's just it's far in between. So it's it's a great moment, and it's really I cherish it. Yeah, and uh, w- one project I was interested in talk to you. Uh, you did a you did a assignment for Victory Journal, one of my favorite magazines. Um, on yeah. Doctor Harry Edwards, uh, great magazine. I got it right here. You you wrote and shot the photos for it. Uh, yeah, everybody check out Victory yeah. Journal right here. It's, your portrait, Dr. Harry I love the mag. I love the mag. It's fucking huge, <laughs> man. Look how big that fucking thing is. <laughs> Bro, yes, yes. Wow. How did that kind of come about? Was that something you pitched to them or they came to you? or? Yeah, so, um, okay. Uh, I will be honest and say um, I have developed a relationship with them because um, uh, now it's almost almost six years ago. 
Um, the girl that I'm still with now, um, she was working there. She was okay. the art director there. So um, I got familiar with what they were doing. And I was, I mean, I loved the magazine prior. Yeah. Um, but I didn't shoot sports. I'm about people and narrative, right? So it was always, hey, if something comes up, Jay, let us know. And I was realizing that the 50th anniversary for the 1968 Olympic Games, um, Tommy Smith, John Carlos holding their fist up. Yep. That was about to come up. And um, being born in San Jose, California, and my family, also my parents, especially my mother, uh, being very uh, active in the Black community and fighting for civil rights, my mom has a relationship with Dr. Edwards. Oh, wow. Uh, she, he was on campus teaching when my mom was uh, at San Jose State. Um, and they've done a lot of work since. So I was like, I can work this relationship. Um, I've never met the man, but I, I think it's a story that your readers are going to really like. He's such a stoic man. He's such like a, a great figure. He's got such a great story to tell. Um, so I pitched that. And uh, they were like, yeah, absolutely. Like, we love this. So part of the story was that, you know, he was launching um, this art, this archive. Mm -hmm. Victory Journal loves artifacts. They love tangible like things, right? Yeah. So originally it was supposed to be just an object story. Um, yeah. And to save you a long-winded story, like it, it turned into like a feature on him um, more so. Yeah. Um, because there weren't really enough objects, but I got to fly back home and basically spend a couple of days with him. Uh, they launched the archive and, you know, I sat down with him. Um, my, I feel like the first kind of art that I've ever expressed really ever was writing and poetry. Um, I've always considered myself a writer. I still write. Um, it's just how I express myself best so when it came to telling the story i was like i really want to write it and they were like we're down yeah so i've worked with one of their editors um and they basically gave me free reign and i loved it like um you know like i i got to tell this great story of this the civil rights leader and get these awesome images and spend some time with him and um yeah and write and which i love so that that that, that was a dream story i really appreciate you bringing that one up because like yeah yeah, I, well, yeah, it was a great article and this like reading about this everything that guy had to deal with, like just like the FBI after him and the government, and like it was just so fucked up. So like anybody definitely go to Good Victory Journal. You can still buy a copy, and I think it's still like on your website. Too. Yeah, it's on my website too. Yeah, you, it's a click through link. So you can read the whole article. And there's so many like anecdotes that I did not get to include. In that oh, I'm story sure, now. dude. You only have like one page. It's like, <laughs> it's like, like that man's life is nuts. And he's yeah. still going, you know, and he's part of part of the other part of the reason why we did that story is because he's the reason he's one of the reasons Kaepernick took a knee. You know, he was consulting Kaepernick um, because he's, you know, one of the original civil rights leaders for sports. He's like the, the he's the guy who everyone looks to when there are issues in cultural and race relations. He's the guy. Yeah, definitely. It was, it was powerful. And on the writing, like, what is it? Like, what type of stuff are you writing these days? It's just, it's, it's just kind of your day-to-day, -day, like, journal? Or, like, what do you kind of, what do you take away from writing? What do you enjoy about it, I guess? Um, I have this, like, I've also had this uh, writer's group. Um, we do short stories. Um, I really like being creative that way. Um, I love characters. That's what really drives me. People mm -hmm. and reasons and, and whys, you know? Uh, so I, in the last year or so, I've been like writing a lot of little short stories. Um, hopefully, I don't know. We'll see. I like, I don't really fantasize about being a director at all, yeah. but I do sort of really like the idea of being able to write for movies, um, yeah. for feature films. So I, I, I might head that direction a little bit down the line, but that's, what's been keeping me sane. I'm doing that sort of writing, just creative writing. Yeah. No, that's awesome, man. And, uh, you know, being that you shoot editorial, you shoot commercial, 
I don't know. Have you, have you ever worked with like a rep in the past or have you felt pressure to like a lot of people? I know someone tries like, I'm looking for a rep, I'm looking for a rep. Like what's your kind of thoughts on that aspect of the business? Cause like so many people are like one way or the other, I guess. Oh, they are. Um, it's such a sort of volatile scenario because it's really dating. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, I just had a, a, a rep meeting yesterday with an agency who was interested in, in sort of taking me on. Um, yeah. I have had one rep before. I don't really want to count them because they didn't do any work for me. Yep. Um, uh, and I'll even go as far as to say, not only did they not do work for me, but after 10 months of not doing work for me, they, they questioned why I hadn't brought them in money. It was just like the relationship is so important. If you're not able to communicate and talk on a daily basis with this person, then you should not, they shouldn't be repping you. Yep. Um, And I think, you know, like any relationship, it can be so fruitful. Um, but like any relationship, it can also bring you back or it can also just be heavy. Mm-hmm. So it's really about trying to figure out what you really want and um, who, who is excited, like genuinely excited. Yeah. Wants to build. They want to build. Yeah. To do that with you, you yeah. know? So, yeah, I think reps could be great. Um, but I think it depends. It's total case by case. I think to blanket the whole thing is kind of just too hard. Yeah, you're right. It is like dating. It's like, uh, yeah, it's not something you want to rush into. It's, uh, yeah, it is interesting. Cause I think about it a lot now because one thing our reps like back in the day, it was like, they had to go to the agency, show your book and stuff. Whereas now, like, I don't know about you, like, Insta- I feel like more people find me through Instagram than my website, to be honest. And it's like, but there's value for sure. Like having a partner, having a team, like as, like a lot of shoots you do, it goes back. It's a team sport. So there is value to a rep, but it's like, yeah, it's uh, something I, th- I go back and forth about. You know? I hear you because I think, especially as a photographer, we also immediately were thinking, are they going to bring me like new eyes? You know, like that's what we really want. Like, yeah. uh, are they going to bring that contact that we need? Are they going to spread the viewership? Um, and with social media, it's really cut that them you know like yes they can still promote you and stuff but it's not the same anymore um which is why the administration part and like the daily the the real connecting getting on the phone and having someone be like yo um alex is the guy alex (laughs) fucking guy you know it means a lot it means a lot yeah so yeah there is value too because i've definitely talked to art producers at agencies are like yeah we like yeah, we probably wouldn't work with you if you don't have an agent for certain like campaigns because there's just like a certain like whatever cachet or whatever that goes along with it. Because I get it. I mean, they're spending a lot of money, so they have to like validate it to their clients. So it's like this whole thing. So it's a, uh, oh man, it's it's a crazy business, it's, dude. Ooh, I been there too, man, it's crazy. You know, chicken or the egg. It's like, wait, how, well, come on, give me a brace. How do I get the agent if I haven't got the work with the work that I need to get the agent? What the hell's going on? <laughs> yeah, you you've done some cool stuff. I was gonna ask you. You did a cool campaign for Warby Parker, amazing portraits. This, uh, oh yeah. How did that kind of come about? Like, cause it, it looked like, uh, yeah, they were great. Thank you. Um, all right, so. To be in all honesty, it's not like really a campaign. Um, yeah. I shoot all their online stuff um, and I've been doing it for like five years now. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, it's like, you know, when they were still, I mean, they're always building. Jesus Christ, it's such a huge company now. But yeah. like when they were much smaller five years ago um, and still like, and, and when they were still doing like small podcasts and stuff, yep. um, they uh we're trying to make all their imagery online a little bit sharper and just cleaner and all that stuff. And they hit me up, one of their producers. Actually, this story is great because it was it was, it was the training point for me, like assisting to shooting, right? Yeah. So like I was assisting this dude named John Amidgley, um, who was such a supporter of me. Like mm-hmm. even at one point, like looked at me and was like, I'm going to raise your fee. Like you deserve it. Like, like I'm taking you with me. And like brought me on to shoot campaigns with him. Wow. Um, a producer that we worked with together on one of his jobs hit me up and was like, hey, I'm producing stuff for Warby. Um, they need someone to come in and shoot, blah, blah, blah. And also like they were looking to diversify the team, you know? So like there was that too. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
yeah, I came in, I helped them out a few times and, you know, I, like I said, I'm, I'm a big techie. Right. So like they, I think they saw right away that I was someone who not just wanted to shoot, but like I could build out what the look was going to be and have it done constantly for yeah. them and make it look good and clean. So, you know, shooting glasses, the whole other beast, uh, shooting sunglasses and eyeglasses. Definitely. So, uh, yeah, we built this relationship and I've been shooting all their online stuff for um, the last five years. And that's not like the main navigation campaign stuff, but like when you go and see glasses and you're like turning people's faces and all that yeah. kind of stuff, I all that stuff. The stuff on my website is that um, a lot of it looks really good. So, I yeah, I was gonna say, man, because a lot of e, as you know, like a lot of e-commerce stuff can this look very like this on just to that old school two soft boxes, like a little but yours is like very like yeah, I, I would have thought it was like a straight up campaign. So they seem like a good yeah. client to work with. They actually do some they do some cool stuff on their website. Um, I don't know if you ever shot him. They did this whole series where they photographed this all different types of people, and it was like environmental portraits. Like they did one on Jamie Thomas, who was like this pro skateboarder, and he was like oh, really he, he wore glasses. They had a name for the whole series, it's still on their website, but uh they do cool stuff, man. I really like that team. They're like really cool, they're really sweet, and they're constantly creating. Like it's, it's just great, it's a great team, yeah, definitely. Um, and you know, another uh a shoot I was interested in talking to you about. You shot the cover for Billboard magazine with uh, um, Roddy Rich. It was him and I think Leo oh, oh. Cohen. I love the portrait, man. I don't know how you lit it, but it was like this cool like shadow uh, on his. Oh, screen. I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that was amazing. All right, this is a funny story actually because I got the call for that cover the day before. Wow. I was on a Warby shoot. I was literally clicking the shutter and you know. Uh, well, I say between us, but this is a freaking podcast. But like, I was clicking the shutter and answered the phone, <laughs> and, <laughs> and um, I was like, "Hey, what's up?" It, you know, it was um, someone who I actually call a homie now, Samantha Shu, who's an amazing photo editor. Oh yeah, she's great. Board. Yeah, she's amazing. And she hit me up and was like, "Yo, uh, are you available tomorrow? We got Roddy Rich for Billboard. It's a cover." And I was like, uh, "Duh!" So <laughs> like, that, was, that was at like three thirty-four in the afternoon. Jesus. Um, so yeah, by, so you got you know, so you got I, literally the next day you got to get studio, you got to get lighting, you got to get grip, and you got to put that all, all together. Yeah, all of it, all yeah. of it. It was crazy. It was crazy, but we did, and um, we made it happen. And that was a that was a really fun, crazy shoot. Roddy is a really cool guy. Um, I can't remember the title of his first album, but it's about him being like really like introvert. He yeah. very much. He is a shy dude that's what i was gonna um, say because i I watch i watch like a lot of interviews like i watch the breakfast club i watch like ebro a lot of those like music podcasts and stuff and some other different ones and i watched the interviews with them yeah he was very like reserved so i guess like how was he as like a a subject uh, and collaborator on the shoot he is shy yeah. but he's like really sweet you know he's like a nice dude he's just really like sort of um it's hard to describe. I mean, you know, just best way to put it. And also to be polite for him is, mm -hmm. you know, just this calm shot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was, he was collaborative. Um, stylist, uh, Bobby Wesley, amazing. Um, that was just a great day for me. That was a huge pinnacle moment. That was also like right after the, the Clive Davis thing. I was mm -hmm. really start to, it was a really good start to my 2020. Yeah. Um, and that was also funny. Cause like we wanted, we had ideas. We wanted to sort of get him out of the studio, but, uh, we're across the street from a, uh, we're in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and we're across the street from a high school. And it just so happened that there was like kids out all day. So yep. every time we tried to pull him out, like, like he was like, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you know? I did get one shot of him outside. Like after most of the kids left, um, that one right there, you pulled up with him like next to the brick in front of the house. Yeah. Yeah. Cause um, how much time did you give with them? Cause you accomplished a lot of different setups and different looks, different clothing. Like how much did you time, how time did you have with him and Leo, I guess? I mean, I guess I did three different looks with him. Yeah. And don't like, I, you feel like you're there all day, mm -hmm. but ultimately at the end of the day, man, when I look back and I think about the time that I was actually shooting, yep. like a lot of my shoots are like 15 minutes per look. Yeah. You no, know, like I just like, don't boom, get boom, boom, boom. Yeah. I don't shoot all day with people. Like I don't ever get that luxury. No. Ever. Yeah. So yeah. Um, 
we, I think we did, it was three different looks and maybe four different like lighting sort of ish scenarios outside and mm-hmm. door. Um, but yeah, it's like 15 minutes per shot. And what um, was your, what was your setup here? Cause this is my favorite um, portrait in the, in the thing. It, it, uh, thanks bro. Incredible. Um, this was something I've been wanting to do for a while. Uh, and it was just more like fuck around more. Mm-hmm. Um, I have bags of, um, just all sorts of drapery and linen and just weird stuff from fabric stores. So I hung up one of those like floral thick knitted. um, It's look, it's like a big sheet of doily basically. Okay. Okay. And it's black. So it's like a black netted doily. I hang it up on a bar and I did a hard light on him. Okay. But so the hard light is coming from the left to give the, the shimmer, right? Yeah, this I love this in the bottom right here. This like whole like shimmer. Yeah. It's like it almost look. I when I was thinking about it, I was like, it almost looks like a, like glass, like on a rainy day or something. And it's mm-hmm. like that's what it made me kind of totally. think. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's that or like pool vibes for me. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's that plus um like a ten by ten just to fill out the room, mm-hmm. something soft to make him look good. Yeah. And then uh, yeah, the light catches his eye. Yeah, what do you, I, I hardly, you know, it's funny that I've done like 200 episodes. I hardly never talk technical stuff. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it's great. But I love it, man. Like, what are your, what are your favorite like modifiers right now for your like portrait stuff? I guess you have your kind of your go-to bag these days. Um, You know what I've been using? I just came, I, I just went back to a very nice tool recently. Mm-hmm. Um, The Euro dish. It's the beauty dish, but twice as big and has oh, weight. Oh, yeah. Okay. That thing is really cool. Who makes that? It's does Pro, Pro Photo make it or no? It's like some other brand. No, right? I think it's um, is it Ellen Chrome? Yeah, probably. It's like I've seen it. It's yeah, yeah it's, it's massive. Yeah, yeah, it's massive. I love that thing. Um, you can get a really hard, really soft light from it. Um, and I also just lit my new cover from um, Town and Country with it. Um, with Marcellus, Wynn Marcellus and Brantford Marcellus. Oh, yeah. Um, that was an incredible one. Uh, I think it might be in. Oh, here it is. Yeah, I've been using that a lot more. Um, that and my, um, I have four, I have two four foot um, electronic kinos. Those, oh. those two gems. Oh, dude. Yeah. The quasars, they're, they're killer and they're not expensive. Yeah. And they've saved me. Like they're amazing. They do so much. Yeah, they're awesome. Uh, you know what I used recently? I was working on this thing for HD TV, and we had this new light. I never used it. It's called like the Aperture. Um, I forget. What, it's like Aperture Seven something. It's basically like uh, it's like this little light. It's LED. It's not super powerful, mm-hmm. but if you're just doing like quick, short, uh, like head and shoulder portraits and stuff like that, or something like this, you can light it, and it's just like a nice soft light. The, the okay. lights. They don't get hot and they're just like very portable and it was it was it was cool. Is it like a bar or like a box? Uh it looks almost it it looks like basically like a pro photo head. Oh, okay. It's okay. almost like that. And then it has like a little power pack. You know who actually uses it a lot? YouTubers. Like a lot of YouTubers, it's like their go-to light that they light themselves with, but it's good for some we used it on a video project where we we're just doing like a little interview and yeah. the, the lighting quality was great it was like the aperture i'll have to look it up i know the company's called aperture though so i'm gonna check that out yeah but yeah yeah so the euro thing been like a real i'm a real big fan um yeah uh it's the, it's something that gives me a lot of shape mm-hmm. you know but also fills out enough if i were to do it with beauty dish it, it would just be too spotty so it, it the the Euro dish feels like a more scoped, tighter octobank. Yeah, yeah, this stuff came out great. I love the one with the uh, the trumpet. This was incredible. Um, this is so like with the shoe like this. Obviously, it's a cover, so it's a big shoot for the magazine. Are are they coming to you with the creative a lot of the time, or is it your idea to kind of have this type of styled background, or is it kind of a back and forth, or like how do you kind of decide this on the style of it? I guess it's a lot of back and forth. Um, then this was a really difficult one. Um, it changed a few times on us, mm-hmm. um, and that's what happens, especially with big talent. Um, so yeah, like originally we were going to be at this like. Originally, we were going to be at this location that was like fully set up. We weren't going to like really bring a set at all, mm-hmm. you know, and like 
it was really kind of telling them a story about like them relaxing, having a drink and like seeing the city. The story really is about the city. And that was kind of the important part. Right. So that didn't work out. Um, then we realized that we were kind of, we had to shoot at the, uh, this, we're at the Lincoln Jazz Center. And yeah. like, this is right above Columbus Park where there's all that glass and it looks like a mall, but the, actually the Jazz Center's up there. So we're up there near all that glass. And the idea was how do we see the city, but also like create something nice because that space is a bit bare and we didn't just want to have them up next to the glass. And yeah. And lighting up on the glass is a nightmare because of like reflections oh, and bro. shit. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like all tilted glass. It's not even flat. So it's like, you're just yeah. screwed really, no matter what you do. Yeah. Um, so then it was like, okay. Um, for me, you know, how do I make my environment um, into these spaces? I'm a classic guy. Um, I'm like, you know, and I'm, I'm 36. Okay. So I came into photography and I saw Annie Leibowitz and I was on my, my Zell sets. I see Carl Lagerfeld. Like these wow. are like older cats as I was coming and doing my thing and as digital was coming up. So I feel really lucky because I got a little bit of both. I got mm. a last bit to see those other guys live and then came into this stuff. So they really influenced me. Right. Especially Annie. Yeah. Um, I really love classic portraiture, um, but I, I'm always trying to make it a bit more modern with my taste and my flair. Um, so I was like, I've been wanting, especially cause I only just started getting covers in like the last year or two. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I really wanted to like try some neutral grays and, and give these guys this classic homage because they're classic. They're, they're a part of the city they're, you know, and jazz is part of the city. So I wanted to give them something that felt timeless. Yeah. So, you know, these gray Avedon backdrops and, you know, the wood planks and stuff. That's what I really wanted to do. Yeah. Anybody watching on the YouTube version, take notes. This, <laughs> this, these weathered Apple boxes aren't just there by surprise, man. You, you know, <laughs> you had to pick those ones, man. I know that. Yeah, we really did. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I, I like a good weathered Apple box, man. Me too. I really <laughs> do. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Uh I guess to wrap up, man, you've been at this for a while where it's a new year. Uh, it's been a crazy year, but what's next for you, man? Any kind of goals moving forward into this new year we're, we're in? Um, yeah, three things on my mind right now. Uh, you know, two, two with my career, which is I'm, I'm as things are picking up for me, um, I'm getting more traction. I'm really like gunning for like key artwork. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I'm trying to go down that road. Um, and just like, you know, solidify myself with more editorial work. And then the other thing is my project color positive. Um, that's really important to me. Um, you know, promoting other artists is really important to me. Uh, I've said this a few times during this podcast already, but like, I'll say it again. Um, you know, growing up as the only black guy in my community, um, and coming into the photo communities as the only black guy. And that's not to say like, there weren't other black people in it. It was just like, I was the, I was always the only black guy on set whenever I was on set. Yep. Um, it's really, really important to me that I look back and not wait to do it. Like not wait till I think that I'm like well endowed with, you know, fame, celebrity and money, like to like be giving back, but just do it right now. Yeah. And like shout out people who need to be shouted out and make it easier for the industry to find us. So um, I'm just constantly picking at Color Positive. I'm trying to figure out a way to get back to the mentorship program that I originally started with it. Yeah. Um, that really got a wrench thrown into it because of uh, COVID. Um, so yeah, that stuff was on my mind, um, helping the community. So with Color Positive, um, for people listening, uh, I looked at the website. It's basically a website where you have different photographers. Like I know my friend Kareem Black's on there, I think, and some other yeah. amazing uh, black photographers. Um, so is it basically if people want to, be a part of it do they reach out to show you their work or what's kind of what's the goal of a color positive if people are interested um uh, to learn more about it yeah absolutely so um the focus is that i highlight uh black artists in photography style and directing mm -hmm. um and the on the website you know i've only featured a, a handful of people but yeah. i think there are people who are 
it's a range. It's like some well-known and then a lot of people who have been doing it for a little bit and then another handful who are like on the cusp. And I'm constantly looking, constantly shifting. And it's about making sure that the industry knows that we're around, the work is easy to find. Um, For the longest time, there was too many excuses about where are you guys? So Mm -hmm. that's really why I built the website. The other part of it for me is that I didn't want to just take up real estate. So mentorship has always been paramount for me, receiving it and giving. Um, And so I've always been going to schools. I've always been going back to SVA um, and I'm connected to a lot of NYC schools. So part of it is that the majority, not all uh, of the artists on the site um, have already or are planning to give up time to mentor. Um, And that's like what goes hand in hand with the program. Um, and then beyond that, I, I use the Instagram platform, which grew like exponentially, um, over the beginning of last year of COVID, um, which is like, now I feel like is a real community, which I appreciate so much yeah. where I can put post and highlight artists and the new work that they're doing and people are getting hired. Um, I don't like post this a lot, but I, I like, I'm, I'm stoked because at least once a week I get a private message being like, yo, I think someone just found me from color positive. I just got hired. Wow. I'm like, dude, that's it. That's all I want. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like it just means the world to me. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. That's great. So anybody check it out. It's uh, what this color positive.com. Is that the website? Uh, It's color hyphen positive.com. I'll I'll put it in the description. People can go check it out because there's amazing work on there. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk today, man, and being open to talking about lighting and the secrets secrets (laughs) to making the sauce, man. I really appreciate that stuff, man. I'm I'm honored that you asked me. So I really appreciate your time. It's really cool to talk to you, dude. Yeah, definitely, man. To stay in touch and hopefully when I come down to New York post COVID, man, I'll, I'll hit you up. We'll get a slice of pizza Absolutely. or something, man. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Jay. Well, take care, man. I really appreciate it. All right, my man. Talk to you soon. Later. So there you have it. That was the Jay Lenard interview. I uh, just want to thank Jay so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. Uh, like I said, it was a real pleasure talking to him about how he approaches portraiture and lighting. Uh, just a really talented photographer. And uh, also, yeah, this the, the remote shoots. Uh, hats off anybody doing remote shoots now. It's just a really difficult thing to do. Um, so it was great talking to him about his new cover with The Hollywood Reporter, uh, photographing George Clooney and uh, Spike Lee and a bunch of other actors and people. It was really interesting. Um, but definitely go check out Jay's website at jlenard.com as well as his Instagram at j.lenard. Uh, I'll put the links in the description, uh, but definitely go give him a follow. He's always posting up cool work on his Instagram and website. So yeah, definitely go check that out. And as always, I'll be having weekly podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as the Photo Banter YouTube page. Uh, so definitely go check us check us out on YouTube and hit the subscribe button. Uh, it'd be much appreciated. And as always, thanks so much for listening and take care.